0: tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another expert episode of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. And I have a return guest for you guys today. I brought back the amazing Dr. Jamie Zuckerman. She's a licensed clinical psychologist. She is a media expert on all things therapy, mental health, If you're not already following her on Instagram, she's an amazing follow with all of the resources that she provides. And if you're new to this podcast, she came on the show to talk all about narcissism and toxic relationships, which is a topic very near and dear to my heart, as it's something I experienced in my late teens, early 20s. And she just really helped shine a light on exactly what that means. And even as someone who experienced that, she taught me so much. And so I was getting a lot of questions about trauma bonds, how to break them, what are they? And so I thought I have to bring Dr. Zuckerman back on the show to share her insights on it. And I will say, like, there are a lot of things I thought I knew about trauma bonds, but talking to her... Having her clarify what they really are was really eye-opening to me. I always thought that trauma bond was pretty much the same thing as a narcissistic relationship. I learned that's not necessarily true. So we cover a lot of what is a trauma bond. Why do they happen? What are the underlying circumstances that lead to a trauma bond? We talk about why trauma bonds are really hard to break and once they are broken if you're coming out of a trauma bond why it feels so hard and so painful so i loved this episode i love learning i mean one of my fa- one of my favorite things that i get to do is just learn about things that i don't know a lot about so i think you guys will learn a lot even if you're not someone who thinks you've been in a trauma bonded relationship i think it's just i think it's great to learn more about things that can happen in relationships. So I love that there's so much more of a conversation around narcissistic relationships, toxic relationships, emotional abuse, gaslighting. There's just so much. And I think all of this awareness will help people not get into those kinds of relationships or be aware of it. So I recommend if you've been through one or not to give this episode a listen. So i Now it is time to talk to Dr. Jamie Zuckerman. Welcome back, Dr. Jamie Zuckerman to the show. So excited to have you back on here as one of the very popular guests of this show.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me. Very excited.
0: (laughs) It's so funny. I have like I have certain episodes that I'm constantly referring people back to and yours is definitely one of those. Plus like the IGTVs that we did, I'm like always referring back to that. I
1: love doing our stuff. It's so fun. (laughs) We have really good conversations. (laughs) We do.
0: We do. do. And I had started getting quite a few questions about trauma bonds Mm -hmm. and you know, I thought who better to ask than you. Um, So we're going to talk about trauma bonds today and what they are. And obviously, probably more specifically, because these listeners are going through breakups. So you know, how do you break Mm -hmm. a bond like that? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what is a trauma bond. <laughs>
1: sure. So, we, you know, as we were saying, it's very different than just, not just, but it's very different than a toxic relationship. It is a toxic relationship, but not all toxic relationships involve trauma bonding. Got so it. trauma bonding, you have to look at it in kind of two parts. There's the person that's being abused and then there's the abuser. People probably have heard most about is Stockholm syndrome, where the person who's held captive develops these feelings of sympathy and connectedness to their captor, it appears that they care for them and want to help them and want to help them through this and help them evolve. But really at the core, what it is, it's a survival mechanism to help them get through what they need to get through. Um, So it's a strategy that your brain kind of turns on in a way to help you just navigate Mm -hmm. through a very dangerous or stressful situation or environment. Um, So that's the one that people are probably most familiar with hearing, but when we're talking about mostly narcissistic relationships or extremely toxic relationships, again, with that narcissistic kind of dynamic at its core, trauma bonding, you have to look at in terms of, like I said, the, the abuser and the person that's being abused. And the abuser typically has a very strong streak of codependency Meaning they are very dependent, not for things like, I mean, yes, money, because the nature of a narcissistic relationship, there's going to be financial abuse, but I don't mean material things like they need them to fix the garage and they need them to take their car in for service or, you know, think they need them to paint their walls. They need them to define their self-worth. They need them to define their sense of identity, their sense of reality about the world around them. Um, to pretty much make them whole. So even just if you look at depression outside of trauma bonding, um, particularly let's say dysthymia, which is kind of this chronic low-grade depression, it's almost like a personality style. One of the things with that is this idea of their sense of self kind of is contingent on others. And that if those others disappeared, they would have no kind of sense of self or who they were. The difference is, is that there's not the reciprocal manipulation of the others onto the the abused person, if that makes sense. Whereas in a narcissistic trauma bond type relationship, both people involved are getting something from it. So the abuser gets a platform to have their ego stroked, to be able to control, to be able to manipulate, to be able to get supply, to be able to function in the environment they're functioning in and if that trauma bond is split you know obviously the person that's being abused doesn't feel that they can function in the world without them they don't know who they are they don't know their sense of self their shell of who they are they, they don't know how to navigate and the abuser loses that constant source of supply that makes them feel important and powerful so it's a very kind of layered complicated very toxic, very difficult dynamic to break.
0: And like you mentioned, Stockholm syndrome. So, mm-hmm. in trauma bonds, is it a trauma that has been that happened in the relationship, or can this be something where, like, they had trauma from their parents prior, or their childhood? Yeah, prior. Okay. They're, they're
1: kind of, Yeah, absolutely. Prior by definition. Prior what they bring to the table. They're kind of okay. their dynamics fit. So. Most of the time in trauma bonds, let's say, let's say for um, somebody, they were always told their needs didn't matter growing up. They weren't allowed to have opinions. They were not. So they're going to essentially seek that in a trauma bond situation. What you'll find is they will essentially seek that same pattern out in the partner, not necessarily consciously, but it's something that they're familiar with. It allows them to not have to change. Change is uncomfortable for all of us, even if it's for the better. We've talked about that at length but they're going to seek out things that are familiar for them to allow them to continue that pattern because it's giving them what, what what they need. It's giving them familiarity. It's putting them in a position that they
0: feel not that they're thinking this, but they're, they're an
1: expert at being second
0: in a sense. Got it. And do, is it something where the abuser and the abused have both experience different kinds of trauma and then they bond based on that. So it's yeah, not just one yeah. person.
1: No, it's, both. it's okay. both. Well, I mean, because typically when you have somebody that's in a codependent trauma bonded situation like that, their awareness of their toxic behaviors is is pretty minimal until they get into the, not the narcissist, but the other person until they get into therapy and they notice their patterns. So if you look at somebody who would gravitate towards a narcissist, you know, their upbringing and the patterns they repeating are a result of a family dynamic where they became a people pleaser for whatever the reason was and the narcissist obviously for their reasons you know either they were the golden child there were no consequences or they were berated or they you know nothing was ever good enough they compensated they find somebody else that they then can kind of control and make them not feel good enough to kind of project their stuff onto somebody who's willing to accept it because Accepting that allows that person to continue their pattern, hence the bond, trauma bond.
0: Got it. So, can any, like, I'm just thinking of an example of that. Mm-hmm. So, well, I'll use myself. Why not? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, I had a dad that was pretty absent in my life growing up with mm-hmm. work, and so I didn't feel like I had that attachment, and so I went after older Toxic men. So, is that an example of yes? But it's more than
1: it's more than that because you're searching for something that you needed to make yourself perceive yourself as whole, even though it wasn't doing that. So, you were probably—I mean—I don't want to speak for you, but seeking if you felt that that you know your dad was absent from your life and you weren't getting what you wanted from a father figure you then would seek somebody out that was maybe in the beginning, like overly attentive, yes. overly giving you that stuff that you crave. So, okay.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Kind of
1: like a puzzle piece, like puzzle yes. pieces fitting together.
0: Got it. And like, I'm just thinking if, you know, someone who could, ide- like could see that maybe subconsciously in me, they could first like fulfill exactly. that role for me and exactly. then maybe take advantage of it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Because then by them taking advantage of it, let's say they grew up in a house where they felt completely powerless and they just felt belittled. So they go on this narcissistic journey for the rest of life, trying to kind of compensate for that. They're going to want to be with somebody that they can put that kind of shame and ickiness that they feel onto somebody else. And put themselves in a position of power and berate the other person, make them feel weak, make them feel small.
0: Totally makes it's it's basically like two unresolved correct. wounds coming together to try S- to solve each other's problems. Trauma bonds. Exactly. Totally. Yes, okay. Correct. Yep. Yep. So I think the word trauma. Yours is... sounds way, yours sounds way
1: more. Um, I like the wound. That's that makes more sense from a terminology
0: standpoint like two wounds trying to bandage each other, yeah. Each yeah, other yeah, yeah, up but it yeah, turns yeah, into yeah, like yeah. an infected mess. That's right. That's, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my very uneducated that's really good. way. Yeah. No,
1: let me tell you. I'm let me tell you. That's going to make a hell of a lot more sense to people than the way I described it. Yes, it is two wounds that come together and create one hell of an infection. Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> So my question with trauma is I know for a long time, especially like when I got sober, I thought like, I thought you had to experience some like gnarly trauma to qualify as someone who's experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. Is there like, could any form of anything happening cause a trauma bond?
1: You mean cause someone to experience trauma growing up? Yes. Okay. I just spoke about this. There's PTSD and then there's something called complex PTSD. Complex PTSD or CPTSD is not a DSM diagnosis. However, it is something that's gaining a lot of momentum because the diagnosis of PTSD really doesn't work for it. So PTSD is what everybody assumes a singular traumatic event that either happens to you, you witness it, it happens to a close family member. So you feel like you're kind of living through it. Could be a natural disaster, it could be a car accident, it could be an illness, um, it could be someone dying. And you have lived up until that point a relatively, let's I no mean, one's help, but like you you've had no traumatic instances, abuse, anything like that leading up to that event. That singular event to develop PTSD means that singular event was not effectively processed cognitively neurologically in your brain so it kind of sits outside like this big mountain on the outside of your head and after like a normal adjustment period then it starts to interfere with your functioning flashbacks feeling kind of hypervigilant, things like that but it's a singular event you can trace it back to that you know exactly what it was you know when it happens you know the source With trauma bonds, it's not to say that somebody didn't have a singular event, but what you typically see more so with trauma bonding is more of a relational pattern type trauma. So it's more of these tiny, and when I say tiny, I don't mean like, that's the wrong word. I don't want to minimize it. A chronic, almost appears to be the norm, abusive, neglectful, manipulative, emotionally neglectful, sexually, whatever whatever type of abuse. Over your upbringing. So you have these events constantly that lead up to that.
0: Okay. And so a trauma bond can come out of either of those things.
1: If two people come together seeking out what they need from that trauma to each other, yes.
0: Okay. What are some indications that a relationship is a trauma bonded relationship? Mm
1: -hmm. So what you will find in particularly in a narcissistic type relationship is, you know, your standard mood and stability. You'll see, um, a lot of not being able to, you know, a lot of control, right? A lot of financial okay. abuse, um, a lot of gaslighting, a lot of manipulation tactics because, somebody who's in the narcissistic role is going to do what they can to keep that person in their role. And the reason why it's super toxic and a trauma bond is because the other person is also simultaneously, but not in a vindictive way, is also simultaneously trying to maintain the pattern as well, because that's Mm. what they're used to and they're getting their stuff too.
0: Got it. Okay, so, so it's not. More all of like,
1: narcissistic relationships are trauma bonded. That doesn't they're still horribly difficult to get out of, but yeah, it really has to be both people kind of seeking out to the point where they're not able to both parties not able to separate that. It's kind of like like you said, it's just it's like making a cake, right? Once you put all the ingredients in, you can't just pull the egg out. You can't just Got pull it. the flour out.
0: Yeah. Do you find in these? relationships that is one person trying to actively heal the other person meaning like do they try to kind of become a part of that more explicitly or is it more just unspoken
1: they would be but they'd be actively trying to not do it not continue to do it because that's where they feel most comfortable it's like saying like a narcissist like I have the awareness now that I'm harming her and this isn't healthy. And I would like to stop because I care about her. That's never going to happen. Right. And somebody who's connected in a trauma bond, who's like very codependent does not believe that they can function without the other person. Like I'm sure for you at some point, you knew you were much better without your partner. You knew yeah. that you needed yeah, I could to get snap, out.
0: I snapped out of it. Fine. Yeah, yes,
1: yes. Yeah. Whereas when you're in a trauma bonding relationship, your needs are being met. Wild. Even if yes. it is totally abusive. unhealthy. Yes.
0: Whoa. Okay. Yeah. That's a really That's good it's, distinction. It's, it's very difficult. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. So uh, the one thing that I was thinking about is, you know how a lot of toxic relationships begin by like (laughs) this like intimacy, like vomit, Mm -hmm. where you Mm -hmm. like first or second date, you're sharing everything. yes,
1: Yes. Okay. So in a narcissistic trauma-bonded relationship, that love bombing phase is essential because without that, the abused partner doesn't have that intermittent reinforcement. There's that thing they're constantly trying to get that attention, that love, like they need that. So they're going to hang in there and wait for that to happen again. The problem is, is that it wasn't real. It's never going to happen again. And if it does happen, it's only because they need to suck them back in really quickly. So. That has to happen in order to set up that inconsistent reinforcement that keeps, it's like an addiction schedule, right? Like when we talk about, you know, just pure behaviorism, intermittent reinforcement, you never know what you're going to get. So your nervous system is constantly just on, right? You're in chronic fight or flight mode. So it's that, that's what that love bombing stage does. Essentially, it keeps you locked into that waiting, waiting, waiting for it to come back, waiting for it to come back.
0: And I imagine like in a trauma-bonded relationship where both people are getting their needs met, it's probably one of those relationships where it's really hard to get them to even spend time apart for like a weekend or a separate vacations or things like that.
1: Yes, but for different reasons. Yeah. For different reasons, but yes. Yeah,
0: Yeah, because this is really interesting for me because I think I had the like incorrect assumption that all narcissistic like that they were the same thing trauma bond and narcissistic relationship and now I'm clear that it's, it's not very
1: it's it's not, not that it's not the same thing it has to have both people requiring that need at the same time but in most trauma bonding situations in those toxic relationships most of the time it is somebody who's narcissistic but not always yeah not always. So trauma bonding is
0: the description of the relationship. It just so happens that more narcissistic people fall into that category. Totally. That's the great distinction. I was not getting needs met. I was like fully like brainwashed, like Mm
1: -hmm. in this
0: abusive Mm -hmm. relationship, because I'm thinking like, when I would have to leave my partner in a narcissistic way, it wasn't because I needed them to feel okay. I was just so scared being away yes. from them Correct. because there was a level would do of fear. Something. Yes. Yes. Correct. Yeah.
1: Correct. Yeah. Correct. But it Not wasn't like, feel whole.
0: yeah. Cause I felt exactly. awful around them yes. around this person.
1: And also, you know, if you think about codependency, think about substance use, Um, you know, you can see this a lot with people that, you know, have addiction issues, the enabler and the, you know, person with the addiction, the enabler needs to feel needed. They need that need met. And if the person's not sick anymore, well, what's their purpose now? Yeah, they have no one that needs them. Now, I'm not saying they deliberately are saying I need to keep you sick. But, you know, one of the I had a really interesting this was many years ago. Before I really kind of would have said trauma bonding, but um, it was a couple and one was sick for a long time and the other one took care of them. And when that person died, the other person totally fell apart, but not because out of grief. They fell apart because now they literally had no sense of self, no purpose, none, gone, because all they knew was that. And the other person, for their own reasons, even aside from sickness, was getting their knees met too. They just happened to get sick along the way. So when it's separated, it's a very difficult process to kind of, you know, they feel naked.
0: Yeah. So I used to do, one of my jobs was um, I did admissions at like a treatment center. Mm-hmm. And I would see that all the time where like mm-hmm. a mom would call for her son or for her daughter and they would want that person to get better. And then you'd have to fight the spouse because the spouse yes. doesn't yes. want this person to go to treatment. Yes. Correct. Yeah.
1: And, and you I've witnessed see it a lot. That a lot. Yeah. And you see it oftentimes with narcissistic moms and their daughters. So, okay. you know, where the daughter, the love is contingent on the degree to which the daughter meets the mother's needs. And so the okay. daughter wants love, the daughter was it right. But mom needs to be needed or you know needs to control the kids emotions and from the outside it's like oh this girl tells her mom everything that's so great they have this trust it's not that it's daughter doesn't think she can function unless she gets her mother's opinion because her opinion doesn't matter and mom needs her to feel like she can't function because on her own because mom you know so it's like a couple levels deeper almost
0: Yeah, no, this is so interesting. I feel like I'm learning so much about this. Do trauma bonds, like, do they happen right away? Or is it something that is formed over time? It's formed over time. Okay. But the process starts immediately.
1: The process starts, um, because they have to kind of suck each other in Mm -hmm. by doing whatever it is that they do, um, you know and and typically in narcissistic relationships it's quick fast and heavy from the beginning so it develops over time it's like you don't realize you're in it until way later
0: yes but the yes.
1: process starts already if that makes sense okay
0: yeah no that makes that makes total sense so how do these relationships like let's just think about it in the form of like a romantic relationship why do these relationships end if they're, you know, getting, you know, needs met? Is a lot of each? them don't. Okay.
1: A lot of them don't. Okay. Um, and or children come into the mix and now the narcissist has people in their way and the whole dynamic shifts in a family okay. because when children, I mean, forget toxic relationships. Like when kids are born, like everything goes to crap. Like everything you knew goes to crap. You have to start over right? Like you are not number one anymore. Like you need to feed this newborn or else it will die. Like you were literally responsible for this thing's life. Yeah, The narcissist, they didn't sign up for that. So it throws a lot of dynamics off. Sometimes two marriage can throw it off if they've been dating for a long time, but then they become married. Um, That can throw it off. If um, a parent Dies, how the narcissist or the, you know, the other person responds to the death that can throw things off. Um So basically anything
0: that changes the status quo.
1: Anything that throws a wrench in the dynamic, in the status quo of the dynamic. Like when I work with people to change patterns in a toxic dynamic that have the awareness, I tell them we're gonna change our behaviors. We can't change anyone else's, but you're gonna change the behavior and you're gonna watch the entire system shift. They're not going to know why, they're not going to know what, they're just going to feel off because you're throwing them off balance. And everyone in the system is going to do whatever they can to push you back to your original starting point. So if you start setting boundaries with someone, you're going to hear things like, I don't like what therapy is doing to you. Uh, You're rude. I don't know what's wrong with you lately, you know, or you, you sound crazy or, you know, things you're overreacting because to a people pleaser, that would immediately push them right back. They don't want mm-hmm. conflict. They don't want to be called that. So when you're in therapy, one of the things that I do is I help people not shift back this way. In a trauma bonding situation, nobody is aware of making the effort to purposely make a shift. They're not in control of the shift. No one's driving that shift. It's like something yeah. was thrown in and everything's thrown off balance and everybody's in chaos. Whereas in a toxic relationship where someone's actively trying to throw people off balance, they're in control of that. There's Got no it. one driving the ship in the other situation. Everyone's just off balance, which makes
0: everything wor- a lot of times worse. Interesting. Does it ever happen? Like, I'm thinking back to, I don't know if it was our podcast or the IGTV, but we're talking mm-hmm. about like in narcissism, there's that whole thing like their supply. Right. Yeah, their supply. Does, mm-hmm. does for one person the supply of the other person ever run out where they're like, you're not doing it for me anymore and they need to find someone new?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with a narcissist, but it depends on what's not being met and it depends on what the other person does to shift gears. Because if your ex, let's say, said, I'm not getting what I want anymore Mm -hmm. and wanted to leave, you know, towards the end of your relationship, you may have been more inclined to say bye.
0: Yeah. right?
1: Like it would have been a relief for you. Whereas in a trauma bonding situation, that person's going to say, what did I do wrong? How did I mess this up? And what can I do to make this better? What can I do to make them happy? What can I do to make them stay? How did I screw this up? It's my fault. I need to fix it. Got it.
0: Yeah. Cause I'm thinking even like if one partner gets a job, that's more time demanding. And the other person is like not getting the time that they need. Correct. That person's probably going to be like, I'll quit my job. Correct. Okay. Interesting.
1: Because their need is to make the other person feel needed, feel happy, feel to the expense of their own needs so they will quit the job. Interesting. Yes. This okay. is why you have a lot of women who weren't, quote, allowed to work which also keeps them stuck because when the relationship ends, if it ends, or if they, even in a non-trauma-bonded relationship, it's really codependent. They don't have any source of finances because they haven't worked. And that was part of the whole plan. And that's part of financial abuse. So it's tricky. And this is why I'm saying it starts from the very beginning. You just don't realize it until later.
0: Okay. If a trauma-bonded relationship ends for one reason or another, what are some things the person will experience? Like
1: they will feel as if they don't exist. They'll feel like they kind of have no place in the world because they only exist to the extent that they're able to make somebody else feel like they exist. Like they wow. they require somebody else to feel whole. And so what happens is without therapy, without awareness, they just go right back into that same pattern all over again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is do you find that, if it's not healed, will they just keep jumping? Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's cases where they jump, but I'm going to give like a really hard yes to that.
0: Yeah. And will <laughs> can people find that? Like, I mean, I've seen this in French. Like, can this happen yes. in friendships? And absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, you see this all the time. You see maybe like a
1: friend that's really kind of narcissistic, and they have like their, you know, we call them flying monkeys, or you know, their lieutenants, right? Like that's what they have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just, on a side note, I feel like there's so many more of these terms now. Like the other last so week many. I was like, okay, flying monkeys, mm-hmm. hoovering, gray, mm-hmm. gray rock. Gray rock. One? Yeah. Yeah. Gray I'm rock. like, mm-hmm. I'm on urban mm-hmm. dictionary. Like look mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> there's gray rock. There's yep. There's, oh. there's so many, there's so yeah. many. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. So when someone is dealing with that, where they just feel like they're floating in space, obviously we're going to highly recommend therapy to Mm -hmm. try to work through some of that. Like what would happen if they didn't find someone new? Like, is that like really dangerous? Depression,
1: anxiety, substance abuse. They will need something to fill that up To They will need something to get rid of that discomfort because they don't have any skills of how to regulate that themselves. So you see a lot of, Anxiety, you see a lot of depression, you'll see a lot of kind of self injurious type behaviors like, you
0: know, drinking, substance
1: abuse. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. And And also, they
1: feel worthless because if they have no one to make feel better, what's their purpose? Their sense of worth is just gone. Hmm.
0: Well, okay. Let me ask you this In the case of a trauma bond that's not a narcissistic relationship, Mm -hmm. is there always an abuser and an abused? There could be an enabler and the Okay, Got it. Okay. But there's always some sort of power dynamic. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That's really good to to Mm -hmm. realize that there is Mm -hmm. always going to be some sort of power dynamic. Mm -hmm.
1: Because somebody who's going to be overly concerned with another's needs to the point of excluding their own is naturally going to be in a lower power position. However, though, the other person simultaneously needs to have their needs met as well, or else they don't feel whole. So while on the the outside, it seems like there's a power differential, at the core, both people are using each other to have their needs met. It just on the surface may appear one looks more dependent than the other, one looks sicker than the other, but you know, if you vulnerable. look at an add more vulnerable. If you look at an addict and an enabler, the person who has the addiction is more likely to be singled out to go get treatment because there's something visible, there's something tangible. The enabler is a whole different ballgame because it's very complicated. Like there, a lot they, of times
0: they're seen as the victim.
1: They're seen as the victim. Yeah. Yes, but really they need to be needed, and their need to be needed ends up leading them to make decisions that keep the other person either sick or keeps the other person in a role where it makes it easy for them to access drugs or makes it easier for them to drink. You know, maybe they offer to drive them places or they
0: offer to yeah. give them money. You know, there's so yeah. many, so many layers. Okay. And do you feel like people pleasing is a pretty big thread throughout all this and one of the people involved in the relationship?
1: Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, because it kind of goes hands in hand in their needs second, but it's really who's, who doesn't feel that their sense of self and sense of worth is more important than meeting somebody else's every need.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, and then one question I got asked is, can a trauma bond be healed in the relationship? Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: But not real. I mean, and you know, this not with somebody who is a narcissist, yes. somebody who has narcissistic traits. Yes. Somebody yes. who is an enabler. Yes. Because you can have awareness of that, but not with a narcissist. And, and in fact, have... couples therapy with someone who's a narcissist is the last thing I recommend because it is so detrimental to the other person, because you could end up in a couple's therapy and they're telling you, well, it really looks like they're trying. Maybe you should get another shot. You should go on a date night. You know, you really yeah. should practice communication skills. And so then the person's like even more invalidated, feels even more unheard and more scared. And so, couples therapy, I don't ever recommend that at all. It's individual therapy with somebody who understands the
0: nuances of narcissism, yeah. period. And so, if we're taking out, someone who has narcissistic personality disorder, would both people have to be involved? in? Like it can't just be one person.
1: No, that's an excellent question. I mean, I guess technically it could, if that person has that much of a significant influence over the other, they could, by shifting their own behavior, like I said, you can throw the system off balance if one person is actively driving that change, right? Like I have patients who have horrible relationships, let's say with their mother or their father or a sibling they're never coming into my office, but that person can start to set boundaries and shift gears in the dynamic. And if the other people are open to change, it can absolutely work. Um, But in a trauma bonded relationship, it is more helpful. Yes. When both people go, so both people can see their role in meeting each other's needs in a very unhealthy way.
0: Got it. Okay. And if someone was going through losing that relationship and they mm-hmm. came to you, do they have to go through like actual, like more trauma therapy or what's like, what kind of therapy do people need? Well, to- not,
1: not necessarily trauma therapy because they okay. may not have had like a significant traumatic experience, but definitely yeah. for like a more of a chronic PTSD type experience or just these long-standing patterns of unhealthy toxic behavior that's what I work on with them is identifying those patterns seeing where in their lives it comes out and at what percentage it comes out and being mindful in the moment of like taking that pause and say okay my natural emotional reflex is to people please I know it's uncomfortable right now but right now in this moment I'm going to do the opposite right or slowly start to do the opposite that's how it would work with people kind of if they lost that relationship it's not so much yeah mourn the relationship but understand more why they're mourning it
0: got it got it yeah because i feel like that's the first step when someone's getting out of a narcissistic relationship first they need to understand that they were with a narcissist
1: correct exactly exactly okay. exactly and because think about it if, if the person knows that they played an active role in that relationship in a way it gives them a sense of control that like okay well if I played an active role in this and I have awareness of it now I can change it and pick healthier
0: yes totally yeah or just be healthier
1: yeah
0: yeah and when someone is coming out of a relationship like that would you typically recommend that they don't get into a new relationship right away yes yeah
1: and I have to be very careful with that because yeah. somebody getting out of a relationship who is very unfamiliar and very, um, I don't want to say ill-equipped because that's not the right word, but their coping strategies to be alone have to be polished. Have, they have to be cleaned off, right? Yeah. They're there, but they have to be dusted off. So I caution people with that, but it's very difficult for people to not have somebody to help them define who they are, to make them feel loved, even if it's not love, to make them feel like they matter because they're meeting their needs. And some people, too, will feel very selfish for meeting their own needs. Now they have no one to do that with. So now they only have themselves to focus on. And they're very uncomfortable meeting their own needs. They don't even know what they need. That's why substance abuse happens that, you know, depression, anxiety, but it's a very difficult thing for me to, consider, right. Like immediate danger or, you know, they're going to harm themselves. Aside from that, I guide people, but I would never flat out say do not do this, but I strongly recommend that you take this time to be uncomfortable so that you can do better work in therapy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, it's hard. yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I feel like the ending of all of our conversations are (laughs) go to therapy, (laughs) go to therapy. therapy. Yeah,
1: please (laughs) go go to to therapy. therapy. You can't do it alone. You really, and it's not because you're weak and it's not because you're not smart. It it has nothing to do with that. It's just, you need somebody objective to pull you out of this tornado. (laughs) You need somebody reaching in with a hand and pulling it out because you don't even know you're in a tornado yeah, until someone pulls you out and has you look at it. And so that's why- It's important to have a therapist because it's an objective person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I always tell people, like, I still go every Wednesday at 4.30, Mm -hmm. you will Mm -hmm. find me on my computer Mm -hmm. doing my Zoom therapy. Yep. It's so important. It really is. Well, thank you so much again for coming on and sharing your expertise. Um, I will have all of Dr. Jamie's info in the show notes. Um, Definitely follow her on Instagram if you're not already. And she has workshops and she just has a wealth of resources. So definitely go check her out. And thank you. you so much again. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to yourbreakupbestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself stay connected with loved ones. And the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise.